1: Tonight, don't believe the high Polls predict a second coming for Team Trump.
2: I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, that's been proven as far as I'm concerned.
1: Why President Biden might get the last laugh. Lots of luck in your senior year. Um, you know, uh, good luck. Especially considering the week he's having. Plan of attack. New reports say the U.S. will launch a weeks-long campaign against Iran's proxies. So why the wait? Nobody wants to be a cop. An immigrant gang beat two NYPD cops. Then they immediately got out of jail free. The four that were arrested should be sitting in Rikers right now. Why what starts in New York will soon come to a city near you. Double standard anti-abortion protesters face up to 11 years in prison for this sit-in.
3: our time has come to join the ones...
1: While nobody has been arrested for violently trying to break into the White House. What happened to equal justice for all? And holy cow. French farmers turn highways into farmland as protesters bring Paris to a standstill. Why American farmers could be next. We start with breaking news at 7 p.m. Eastern and a clear night in Iraq, where it is a little past 3 a.m. So far, no reports of U.S. strikes, despite 72 hours now passing since an Iran-backed militia killed three American soldiers. Still no justice for those Americans killed. But more importantly, no meaningful deterrence to keep it from happening again. And it did happen again today. Another Iranian backed militia nearly got their cruise missile through some of the Navy's best defenses in the Red Sea. The USS Gravely's close in weapon system, that's what you're watching right now, saved the ship. CNN reports multiple layers of the ship's defenses failed, and the missile got within one mile, that is within seconds, of impact. Back to the Middle East as news warrants. John Bolton will be with us a little later in the show. And with that, we welcome you to the Ferris Show. On television, the election is now nine months away and Donald Trump supporters are loving a new Bloomberg morning console poll showing him up significantly in most swing states. We've laid those out on your screen. Plus 10 in North Carolina, Trump plus eight in Nevada and Georgia, up five in Wisconsin, three in Pennsylvania and three in Arizona. President Mitt Romney will tell you polls nine months out mean absolutely nothing. More importantly than the polls, which look backwards, let's look at what the polls are going to be taking into account in the next few months, the next few weeks. And for that, we'll look at the past few days of coverage, what Americans are hearing right now, not political junkies, but just sort of people who are tuning in, looking at the start of 2024 for Mr. Biden. NBC Nightly News reports Biden is working with China to stop fentanyl. In fact, a U.S. diplomat is there right now. Biden announced today he's going to East Palestine, Ohio, around the year anniversary of a train derailment that highlighted the rural urban divide in America. Message, he cares. We'll see if he drinks the water. Who knows? Maybe the border is next. Speaking of the border, as we heard yesterday, Biden says he wants to secure the border and Republicans will not let him. He said, just give me the power. And he promised to shut down illegal immigration. Politico reports. The White House put out a memo late this afternoon, again today, blaming Republicans for not making a deal on the border. Wait for coverage of that in tomorrow's New York Times and certainly on The Today Show tomorrow morning. President Biden solving the energy crisis by offering a $1.5 billion loan to restart a nuclear power plant in Michigan. Michigan being a key swing state that he's having a difficult time with in the Muslim population. And suddenly... When you watch television or read the newspaper, the economy is great, in fact, not just great. But Axios now tells us we have the best economy in the entire world. The U.S. is winning the economic war with GDP growth. Here's Jay Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve today.
2: 3.7% unemployment indicates that the labor market is strong. And we've seen inflation come down. We've talked about that. so. You've got six months of good inflation data. Let's be honest, this is a a good economy.
1: And that's what's going to be reported over and over and over again. Doesn't really matter how normal people feel, but that's what Jay Powell says. Realistically, Democrats only began campaigning a week ago, and that is just some, not an exhaustive list, but a list, of all of the things the media reports Mr. Biden has accomplished In just a couple of weeks. So given that kind of glowing coverage, nine months. Give that nine months to sink in and the polls will change. As we said, just ask Mitt Romney. Now for the Republican side of the coin. They're fighting a war against Taylor Swift and football. Two of America's most popular cultural touchstones here, for example, Sean Hannity.
2: Does Taylor realize the guy that they want her to endorse is a kind of stumbling, bumbling mess? Doesn't have the energy to even give a 30-minute speech, let alone perform a three-hour concert like she does? I'm just saying, maybe she wants to think twice before making a decision about 2024.
1: And he is one of the saner voices ganging up on football and Taylor Swift. The loudest voices on the right... Say she's under Pentagon control in some kind of psycho, psychological operations campaign. Eric Erickson is not one of those people. He's host of The Eric Erickson Show, author of show notes on Substack, conservative media's best morning newsletter. It is always good to see you. I, I, I am befuddled of this, but of all of the things for Republicans to talk about and to attack, football and Taylor Swift, why?
4: Look, this wasn't started by the Trump people, but it was started by the, the people who have glommed on to Trump. They've made their online careers about Donald Trump, and, and they're having fun doing this because they might be able to whip people into it. The problem is they're connecting it to Donald Trump, uh, which they don't really care about. They claim to. They care about their clicks and their, their social media views and uh, their social media attention, and that's what this is about. You've got a bunch of people who have taken over the right part of the conservative movement, the alt-right, who are nihilists Who don't care that the world burns as long as they can get some money out of it? And they peddle these conspiracy theories. Many of the same people, uh, Leland, are, are the people who started the PizzaGate conspiracy theory, it's, it, and yeah, then went to the. That's collect. true. Like now they're at. No, at I mean, people
1: got people got hurt. Somebody, you know, pe- people people got shot over that, um, or no, some you know, the pizza place got shot up. Um, and you think I'm right to point out the coverage here? Is that fair to sort of say how things are turning all of a sudden now, nine months out of the election, the, the way Joe Biden's being covered?
4: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right about the polls. I mean, the morning console poll, they're like, according to 538 the 115th best pollster in the country. So it's an online poll, not exactly credible. Republicans like embracing this sort of thing. They're going to concoct a new conspiracy theory about the pollster shortly. In fact, there actually is a conspiracy theory on the right about Morning Consult because it's run by Mark Penn, who was Hillary Clinton's pollster. So clearly yeah. he wants Trump. Conspiracies everywhere you look. But the truth is, fighting Taylor Swift in the NFL is one of the dumbest things people on the right could do.
1: Yeah, I, look. Never underestimate Republicans' ability to screw things up. I think that that sort of has pay, played out over the past couple of years, pretty pretty clearly. But what I'm wondering about is, look into your crystal ball here. Is there any m- movement on the right to try and get some discipline here to counter what is what is clearly a a conservative effort? And look, that's what what politics is. It ain't bean bags. To get the narrative to
4: change around Joe Biden? Not right now, not that I see. Uh, At at some point, you do have to have the candidate and his team to engage, uh, but the candidate is tied up in court, so he can engage. Uh, It's been one of the fundamental problems of this campaign cycle. The, The upside for Trump is he's not overexposed, so people who have been a little hostile to him in the past, they don't see him. They see Joe Biden at the same time. He can't pivot when the grifters tied him, pull the party in this weird direction. Uh, there's no messaging. At the same time, it is early. Um, but they're going to, I mean, one of the rules of politics when I ran campaigns is you've got to define yourself before the other side defines you. Joe Biden's got a $200 million war chest to define Donald Trump, who he and the RNC barely have $20 million right now because of legal bills.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you talk about in terms of who's being defined, and I think you're right to point out that. Trump is distracted at times. Um, more than fifty-six percent believe the former president will act like a dictator if re-elected to office. That's a new poll, the Harvard-CAPS Harris poll. Um, but in in essence, do they really believe that, or are they just believing what they're being told over and over again?
4: I, I think they believe what they're being told over and over again. And by the way, I got to correct myself. The 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 Clinton pollster is with Harris. Not yeah, it's with the Harvard
1: Harris. Here. Yeah, Mark Penn.
4: But, yeah, um, it's it's it, whatever gets repeated within the right wing echo chamber, which used to be less online and outside of a bubble, more likely to con- interact with people on their side. It's become particularly the hyper online who are a part of this campaign establishment very much in a bubble where they repeat the same talking points. And they're not really concerned with the independents who are concerned about Trump convictions or concerned he might be a dictator. Uh, and they haven't begun to message to those people to reassure them. And I keep telling them, you know, in 2022, 13 percent of Republicans, according to the exits, which are pretty reliable, sided with the Democrats. You've got to get those people back yeah. in a 50 vote race between seven swing states. you got to get them back to win.
1: Yeah. And those are people who uh, whose daughters listen to Taylor Swift and who like to watch football on Sunday. So uh, there you go. As your daughter does as well. You're a good father for being a fan or at least tolerating the concerts. Good to see Eric. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Just for a second. Speaking of of kids, think about your son, daughter, grandkid, nephew. And just picture that person for one second in your mind. Somebody in their 20s that you love. You have them? Okay. So that person just told you they want to become a cop. And your gut reaction would be something along the lines of who would want to be a cop in America right now? Who would want somebody they love to be a cop in America right now? Nobody wants to be a cop in America anymore. And who can blame them? Take this video of a gang beating up two NYPD officers in Times Square. They didn't beat them up to get away. They just beat the cops up to beat them up. And pretty soon, some other officers showed up and rounded up the four people. Here they are. Darwin Andes Gomez, 19. Kelvin Archoa, 19. Wilson Juarez, 21. Your man, Reveron, 24. All illegal immigrants. They beat up two New York police officers for no apparent reason. They were arrested and promptly released without even posting bail. So they are here illegally. They beat up cops and they are still released without bail back onto the streets of New York City. Of course, there is an issue with the laws in New York, including the city council overruling the mayor's veto on an anti-cop bill. So now nobody wants to be a cop. And who can blame what happens in New York happens in the rest of America. And the justice double standard also exists at the federal level. Crazy case. Juxtaposition, if you will. Six pro-lica activists now face 11 years in prison for blocking the entrance to an abortion clinic while praying. This is a video of the incident in Nashville. And to be fair, they appear to be blocking access to a clinic. And that's illegal. And over and over, we're told by the Biden administration the law must be applied evenly and fairly without regard to politics, equal justice under the law, which is fine. So, why, after two pro Hamas riots outside the White House, including this one that required the evacuation of the White House staff, there has not been a single arrest of anybody? There have been no arrests for trying to break through Secret Service fencing, no arrests for defacing parts of the White House. No arrests or investigations into the groups, and for that matter, their funders, inciting an attempted takeover of the White House. Yet those sitting peacefully outside an abortion clinic face 11 years in federal prison. Tom Dupreece here, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General. It's good to see you. Welcome to the set. Thank Thanks you. for having me. I think about this, not so much in terms of these two cases, but in terms of the institution that you love, which is the Justice Department going forward, how... After the election, does the Justice Department, under a Republican president or a Democratic president, regain the trust
3: of the people? Well, I think the first thing they have to do is they have to apply the rule of law fairly and equally. Um, I agree with the principle that the rule of law needs to be neutral. You can't selectively prosecute disfavor groups and let favored groups go. But you see things like that and that juxtaposition. It tells a powerful story. It tells you where this administration's enforcement priorities are. And although you, you wish you could draw a different conclusion, it's hard not to draw the conclusion that there are some protesters that they want to target for prosecution and severe punishment. And there are other protesters where they seem much more willing to look the other way. All right. Is there any other explanation for what we laid out as a fact pattern? The only other explanation I can think of is that the abortion protesters, there is a federal law that governs access to abortion clinics. And I suspect what one of my former colleagues at the Justice Department would say is that they violated that law. There's not a similar law that protects the trying White to, House. trying to break into the White House. Is not- <laughs> it's, it's not the abortion clinic law. I'll okay. put it that way. But there are laws that protect it. And you could fairly ask, why aren't those laws being enforced? And there, I think they would say, we haven't had a chance to make arrests. We don't know who did it, but we're on it.
1: Yeah, well, they'll be on it for a while. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll stay tuned. Am I right to be worried, though, about what happens when the trust in the Justice Department is lost?
3: Where do you see this going? Absolutely. I think you are right to be worried about that because prosecutors, pretty much above all, pretty much any civil servant you can think of because they have the power to take away people's liberty, have to be impartial. They have to have the trust of the people because they have such How do amazing that? power. Well, I think you lose that when you see things like double standards. You see politicized prosecutions. You see prosecutors following where their politics takes them, not where the evidence leads them. And so I think to rebuild trust, it's a slow process. You have to take it case by case and you have to commit yourself to applying the law fairly and saying, even if I agree with this person's political message, if they broke the law, they have to be
1: prosecuted. Or even if I hate them, I'm not going to charge them when I wouldn't charge them. ways. Somehow sure. we managed to do this segment without saying the words of either of the two presidents' names. <laughs> exactly. You, my Thank you. Coming up next, the White House finally names the group behind the deadly attack that killed three U.S. service members. Everyone knows the real culprit is Iran. Why haven't the U.S. struck back at the Ayatollahs in Tehran? And we've seen this show before. Mark Zuckerberg gets grilled in the Senate. Outrage ensues. Will it ever change anything? Will Big Tech ever actually take it on the chin?
3: what did you do next when someone clicked you may be getting child sexual abuse images and they click see results anyway what was your next step you said you might be wrong
1: New video from the terror group responsible for killing American troops. They claim it shows the drone that was launched in the attack 72 hours ago against Jordan. It actually followed in an American drone. They've gotten better at doing this, and that's how it was able to hit an American barracks. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said today that the U.S. response is coming.
3: Those attacks have taken the lives of three of them. Uh, we will have to do, we will do what we need to do to make sure that um, that uh, those responsible are held properly accountable.
1: Kirby says the first action the U.S. takes won't be the last. Several reports suggest the response could be over a couple of weeks, maybe some cyber attacks, maybe what they would call kinetic, which means blowing things up at various places around the Middle East. 7 p.m. in Washington, now 7.20 or so. Karbala, Iraq, 3 a.m. If any U.S. attacks happen tonight, obviously we're going to take you there. Uh, as we get video, you'd think we would have heard reports of explosions if they would have begun uh, against Iran. And we don't know exactly... What part of Iran's uh, axis of a resistance, we had one person on our social media call it the Middle East mafia, uh, that the Americans are going to hit. Qatab, Hezbollah here, 10,000 fighters uh, in Iraq, in the Shia parts of Iraq, especially which is southern Iraq uh, in this area, who's responsible for going after uh, and firing that drone. U.S. intelligence has a group called the Islamic Resistance of Iraq carried out the attack. Uh, it's the umbrella term used to describe the operations of all the Iranian-backed militias, uh, in Iraq, they have close ties to Qatab, Hezbollah, and they claim to have been behind at least 20 attacks against U.S. bases. We think about all of the bases uh, in, the, in the area. Um, obviously, this is the one uh, in the far northeast corner of Jordan that was hit. But there's been attacks, dozens of attacks, uh, against U.S. bases in Syria, uh, in Iraq, and then down against U.S. ships Uh, In the Red Sea The Harar Air Base near Erbil That's in Kurdistan uh, In Iraq Uh, That has been hit a number of times uh, As has the bases here Up in northeast Syria Those were the bases that were put in To fight ISIS We bring in former United Nations Ambassador and former National Security Advisor John Bolton He just released a new foreword to his memoir The Room Where It Happened We're going to get to the book uh, in a minute Mr. Ambassador, thank you sir uh, we just take a look at at the map here uh, of of all the places that you could hit right now. And it's taken now at least three days. You've been in the situation Room when, when these discussions were were happening. Why is it taken so long?
2: Well, you know, it could happen any minute. Literally, we don't know. Uh, I, I think the delay and the and the, and the leaked discussions that we've seen already shows irresolution on the part of the Biden administration. And part of their problem, your, your graphic just demonstrated, all of these uh, sources of uh, belligerence in the, Middle, in the Middle East today all tie back to Iran. This is an Iranian-directed conflict. It has been since October the 7th. The Biden White House simply will not face up to that reality. Uh, I've listened carefully to what administration spokesmen have said since Sunday, and that's the only real public evidence we have. But I conclude from that 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 whatever their response is, it will not include targets inside Iran. And I think that's a mistake because I think we need to look at this not simply as the tragic death of three Americans. Uh, That alone certainly warrants a vigorous response. But it also follows, months of attacks on U.S. personnel, civilian and military, around the region. Over 150 attacks on U.S. naval vessels, commercial ships in the Red Sea. Iran itself has paid no price for these attacks. None of the retaliation uh, for the attacks in in Iraq and Syria uh, have been in Iran. None of the response to the Houthi attacks have been in Iran. No response from Hamas's attack out of Gaza has been in Iran. No response to Hezbollah from Lebanon has been in Iran. I- Iran is conducting this war effectively cost-free. And as long as it's allowed to do that, the, the, the conflict will grow more serious and more complicated. That's the point the administration simply does not get.
1: Yeah, we talked about this last night, two different worldviews, that the administration views everything through the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, You and others view the Middle East through uh, Iran as the the chief protagonist Um, in this. Donald Trump, who you served and you were there for part of the negotiations of the Abraham Accords, some of the peace deals that were made between the Arab countries and Israel, had this to say about what's going on right now. Take a listen.
0: If I were in the White
2: House, you would have never had this attack. You would have never had the attack on Israel. You would have never had the attack
3: on Ukraine.
1: The foreword from your book, Devastating Terrorist Attacks on Israel by Hamas and Hezbollah, both armed and financed by Iran, may not produce the same reaction from Trump as before. A newly inaugurated Trump could seek a deal with Iran. And I I guess what I'm, I'm troubled by, I know you have some differences with, with the president. We'll get to those. But... The Middle East really was never more peaceful than when Donald Trump was there. There were meaningful peace treaties. Iran was put in a box. To your point, Iran was hit. Qasem Soleimani, the head of the Iran Revolutionary Guard, was killed on Donald Trump's orders. Why the the could? Why not the credit for what happened in the past?
2: Well, I think it was certainly the right thing to do to withdraw from the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. And I think the sanctions that were imposed after that were correct, they were not enforced as part of maximum pressure. However, Biden has loosened them even beyond that. But, but, you know, Trump is incredibly transactional. And even as he withdrew from the 2015 nuclear deal, he talked about a bigger deal with Iran. Uh, in, in my last days in the White House at the G7 summit at Biarritz in August of 2019, Emmanuel Macron, president of France, had Trump within an eyelash of meeting with the Iranian foreign minister, whom Macron had brought into Biarritz, unbeknownst to the rest of us. Uh, Netanyahu uh, may, may think that he would have a stronger uh, friend in the White House than Trump. He'd be wrong about that. I don't think Trump likes Netanyahu. So nobody knows what Trump will do. That's part of the problem. It's erratic, it's inconsistent, and I will say that many of the things uh, that came in the Middle East, the Abraham Accords being a good example, reflect the shifting geostrategic tectonic plates more than the efforts of the U.S. or, or any
1: other particular government. I, I hear you, and I'll give you the last word. But if you think about what Donald Trump said, uh, there, Vladimir Putin saber-rattled when it came to Ukraine. He didn't do anything under Donald Trump. Uh, certainly Iran was was making mischief in the Middle East, and then Qasem Soleimani was killed and and they stopped uh there was no attacks meaningful uh major wars between israel uh, and hamas or israel and hezbollah and there were the abraham accords and for that matter kim jong un wasn't firing off missiles so i i guess i i understand your your feelings about him i'm just wondering if he doesn't deserve a little bit of credit for for those things
2: well, I think he does deserve some credit, but there are plenty of other reasons why things happened or didn't happen. Uh, in the case of Ukraine in particular, I think Putin had focused on Trump's wanting to withdraw from NATO and was waiting for a second Trump term. And if Trump does get reelected this November, he will withdraw from NATO uh, and Putin will take advantage of it.
1: Well, that, that is a fair warning, especially considering it's something Donald Trump talks about uh, an awful lot. Mr. Ambassador, it's always good to see you. Thank you. Congratulations on the new book. Um, The timing, I think, could not be better for you uh, in terms of uh, something pressing it to read, uh, given your expertise in the region. Uh, The book is, and I will put it up one more time, Forward to the Memoir of the Room, Where it Happened, now available in paperback with a new forward. Mr. Ambassador, thank you, sir. Normally, here in Washington, not much comes out of congressional hearings, not much meaningful. Today will not be an exception to that rule, despite what was must-see TV. Here is Senator Ted Cruz questioning Facebook and Instagram CEO Mark Zuckerberg about sexual exploitation of children on his applications.
3: These results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking?
2: Hmm.
1: It was stunning, and it didn't stop there. Zuckerberg didn't have any good answers, and it should not have stopped. Some of the stories we heard from parents about what happened to their children on Facebook and on Instagram because of TikTok, well, they make you sick to your stomach.
2: He was ready to be the world's first trillionaire. We caught him uh, mining Bitcoin in the closet. Um, so he was a technology native. We did not know that Snapchat was dangerous. We did not know what fentanyl was or that it was slipping into our drugs. We found him dead on the floor and I tried to resuscitate him.
1: There is dozens of stories just like that. Kids who died, kids who committed suicide, kids who were exploited sexually. So here's a prediction. Nothing is going to change. There will be more kids who meet the same fate because of social media. And Josh Hawley, Senator from Missouri, shamed Zuckerberg into standing up and facing the families. I'm sorry, if
4: you think of your law, and it's incredible. knowing that you have to get through the things that your families have, have suffered.
1: In terms of being yelled at by Josh Hawley so much, at one point you sort of felt bad for Zuckerberg. It was Hawley who was exploiting the families in their grief. But Zuckerberg took it. He stood up. He realized what was happening. Zuckerberg's a businessman. He was humiliated. It, it was clear. He stood up. He said what he had to say and good for him. Zuckerberg, however, will get the last laugh and he knows it. Congress will never take away Facebook's protections under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. That gives Facebook immunity from everything that's being posted, from liability for what is posted or what happens. So while Zuckerberg surfs, his lobbyists spend $20 million a year to make sure Congress does precisely nothing to Facebook. And it works. Just consider Zuckerberg's first hearings, now six years ago, before Congress.
4: Would you be comfortable sharing with us the name of the hotel you stayed in last night? Um... (laughs) Uh, No. If you messaged anybody this week, would you share with us the names of the people you've messaged?
3: Uh, Senator, no. I would probably not choose to do that
4: publicly here. I think that may be what this is all about.
1: In six years, absolutely nothing has changed. That was about your privacy. Nothing changed in terms of your privacy protections either. There's TikTok. They are the Chinese controlled social media app popular with your kids and grandkids. They're controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And they spent big bucks sponsoring ads during the Republican primary debates when they knew Washington types would watch. All to make sure Congress does nothing. And credit to Amy Klobuchar. Senator from Minnesota, who stated as much today, that nothing would change. That's Mark Zuckerberg's true success. We started this segment saying normally not much comes out of congressional hearings. We hope in this case we are wrong. Coming up next, one thing about the immigration crisis we can all agree on. The millions here illegally probably aren't going anywhere anytime soon. South Dakota's governor, Kristi Noem, on what can be done to fix a problem that's spread from the border... small towns and big cities across America. The U.S. Border Patrol has released more than 2 million illegal immigrants into our country's heartland in the last two years. Two million. The sheer number of people with no work, no home, nowhere to go is overwhelming, not only the big cities and suburbs. Half a million illegal immigrants live in Illinois, quarter million in Chicago. You can see them when you go through O'Hare Airport, that's where they're sleeping now. Another quarter million live in the city suburbs. New York City, 57,000 illegal immigrants live in the city's shelters with taxpayers footing the billion dollar bill. In the town of Carbondale, Colorado, 120 migrants moved to the town of 7,000. might not sound like a lot, 120 people, but most of them can't afford houses. It's cold there, so people have no other option than to sleep in their cars if they're lucky enough to have a car. There's Whitewater, Wisconsin, population 15,000, now home to 1,000 illegal immigrants. And then there's the state of South Dakota.
0: South Dakota is directly affected by this invasion. We are affected by cartel presence right here on our tribal reservations, by the spread of drugs and human trafficking throughout our communities, and by the drain on our resources at the local, the state, and the federal level.
1: All right. That's the governor of South Dakota, who's joined efforts with Greg Abbott to put up barbed wire along the southern border. Governor Kristi Noem, author of No Going Back, joins us now. Congrats on the release of the book. Uh, The number two million struck me as interesting because in the break I googled the population of South Dakota. That is more than double, and I know you know this—the population of your state. Let's put what's happening at the border aside because we know that's a crisis. What are we going to do with all the people who are already here?
0: That's what's so incredible, is that if you add up what's come in just under the Biden administration, it looks like it's up to 10 million people. So it's larger than the size of 30 of our states that are now in the United States of America. So that's what's incredible, the amount of people that have been added to our population that violated federal law, came into our country, and now... Um, are filling our cities, but they're filling our small towns as well. They're becoming burdens to government programs. Our nonprofits are you know, working to take care of people and address us with humanity. But what's interesting to me is the amount of dangerous people we're letting into the country as well. i um, known terrorists, no, I, 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 criminals. I, I, appreciate,
1: I appreciate all that. I'm just wondering what to, what to do with – hopefully we can agree on kicking the dangerous people out, like the four illegal immigrants who beat up the New York cops. Um, Kathy Hochul says she, she may want to have them be deported. But, but just the people who are there. I'm thinking about the people in South Dakota that you talked about that are that are a drain on resources. What do you do with those people?
0: they came into our country illegally, they need to be deported. They just do. They broke our federal law. They need to go home and come here correctly. Uh, we're either a nation of laws or we're not a nation of, of all. And right now the problem is, is we've got President Biden setting a poor example. Um, he's being a leader who's knowingly violating federal law. And that is putting us in a very dangerous situation. I've declared uh, the southern border a war zone. It's an invasion of our country. Today, I informed our legislature and the people of South Dakota the real crime and trafficking and the drugs that are infiltrating our state. I have nine tribal reservations. I have no jurisdiction there. We have families living on our tribal reservations that are living with the cartels that are in their communities, taking advantage of them, perpetuating crimes and murders, and they can't do anything about it. And we've been asking this federal government to come in and keep people safe. They refuse to. So it's not just in Texas. It's in South Dakota, too. No, 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 and that's what these cartels no are argument.
1: No, no, no argument there in, in Wisconsin, in my home state of Missouri, and in, in others. Look, there, as you point out, there's a lot of very dangerous people who come. There's also a lot of people who are just looking for a better life, who are looking for uh, a job and uh, some, some way to, to better their lives and their families' lives. Um, certainly that's what my grandparents did when they, when they came to America. Part of the economic incentive is people being able to find work. I think about uh, the most effective way to disincentivize is e-verify, which is to keep people from being able to get a job because their identity has to be verified uh, by their employer and you can't hire illegal immigrants. We looked up South Dakota. Um, Voluntary e-verify, not mandatory, ranks near the bottom in both the number of employers and usage in your state. Why is that, you think?
0: You know, I think it's because in South Dakota we don't try to come in as a government and mandate everything. We've got a lot of of businesses that have stepped up and done that, and they're more and more doing that every single day because of this situation. The people of South Dakota are incredibly patriotic, and they want our laws to be upheld, and it's been incredible to see the support that they have for making sure that people follow our laws in this country. I was the very first governor to deploy National Guard to our southern border over three years ago. Uh, We've deployed there three times now. We also are looking at the situation we have today and what we could do different, what we can do with rules of engagement, how we can send supplies, and even support Texas in litigation and in the courtroom,
1: no, so that we I, can defend I, our state's I, I, rights. I understand. So I, I understand. I understand all that, and you make you make valid points about why this is so dangerous at the border. But I'm the the single biggest thing in terms of de incentivizing immigration, illegal immigration into South Dakota would be to make it so people can't get employment there. And you're saying that you don't want to have mandatory verify because you don't want to be heavy handed with the It's been a topic
0: of debate in South Dakota for many years. In fact, when I was in Congress, we've talked about it and it was debated when I represented our state at the federal level. And then as governor as well, it's a topic of conversation, too. I think that most of our businesses out there proactively do it. My first instinct is not that the government comes in and mandates everything and pushes businesses, but we educate them, give them tools, and overwhelmingly they're using it. so, you know, people can always point to a state and say that they should be mandating things. I, I choose to inform my folks on what the options are. And E-Verify may be a choice that we make, um, but I believe a lot of times that those debates need to include uh, the cooperation with the legislative leadership as well. And so we're continuing to do that. That's certainly mm-hmm. something I've always supported because it's not the law today. It doesn't mean that I, as a governor, am going to come in and mandate it and force it on our businesses. But I certainly mm-hmm. have always supported E-Verify.
1: Fair enough. Governor, we appreciate you being here. We know you've been outspoken about this. Um, You were one of the first ones to talk about it. It's an important issue. It's something we've been obviously covering on the show. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Leland. Have a great day. All right.
1: Yes, ma'am. Coming up next, Harvard's chief diversity officer faces charges of plagiarism. Why integrity is so hard for people running America's top university? And is one of the school's biggest donors right when he says Harvard Yard is now filled with whiny snowflakes? Plagiarizing dozens of times, even taking credit for something that her husband did. Interesting conversation at home. Aaron Saberian broke the story in the Free Beacon. Not just Claudine Gay, Harvard's chief diversity officer, plagiarized and claimed credit for husband's work. He joins us now. You know, look, what I think is most interesting is it was you guys who found this and not Harvard who went back and looked through everyone's work. Why do you think that is?
5: They clearly have a problem with vetting their hires. Uh, it's we have this, but before that, we had Claudine Gay, and I think what's telling is that Harvard—they just haven't said anything about it. Um, the other two universities I contacted, because the story involved uh, actually multiple universities, both very promptly said, "We're investigating it. You know, we'll get back to you." So at least they. Uh, intimated that they cared about research misconduct. Harvard has refused in every story I've written about them over the past two months to reply to a single request for comment. Well, it's
1: interesting because with Claudine Gay, right, they actually went after the New York Post in the very beginning. They Mm -hmm. hired lawyers to attack Mm -hmm. the New York Post and Mm -hmm. threaten them and on and on Mm -hmm. and on. They've since backed off of that. What uh, this person's accused of, 28 instances of plagiarism in the doctoral dissertation at University of Michigan, 12 allegations against a 2014 article in the Journal of Negro Education, say the article was practically identical to the findings of a 2012 paper written by her husband. Complaints also filed it to the University of Michigan and the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where she co-wrote her 2014 uh, paper. It's very clear, I think we can establish, mm-hmm. that Claudine Gay got her job for reasons other than just merit. Um, I don't know about this as it relates to I guess Miss Charleston, Prof- Professor Charleston, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, is there any process at Harvard, though, about when people are being hired to either A, look at them, or now B, to go back and look at people who were hired for certain reasons
5: and just double-check that they find it before the Free Beacon does? I suspect that there will be a process like that when as they're searching for their next president, um, but— You know, from what I can tell, uh, for for many years, they just all of these universities, not just Harvard, uh, didn't didn't really care. And I've heard off the record from academics at other prominent universities uh, about people who you know have were rumored to have skeletons in their closet of various sorts, including research misconduct. And then suddenly, big job, yeah. And then it would come to the fore. But you said the the plagiarism
1: beat is um, fertile ground for a reporter these days. Keep up the work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Coming up next, farmers in France dump manure outside government buildings. Why that smelly situation could very easily come to America. Farmers in France turned a number of roads, highways into fields, literally dumping dirt in major on major highways and blocking others with tractors and combines. Police promptly arrested them so more farmers showed up with their tractors. The French joined the Germans, who joined the Belgian farmers, angry about taxes and environmental laws. Evidently, they've now surrounded the European Union Parliament building. Some farmers dumped manure in front of governor's offices. There's a little bit of panache to that move. Spanish farmers will reportedly join the protest. They too are angry. Farmers by definition are a pretty hardy bunch. They don't like to complain. The cows don't care when they do. Their anger is tapping into something deeper. It's not just in America. It's happening in Europe, too. The divide between the world's elites and the rest of us. They're angry about a lot of things. The same policies that a number of folks would like to see in America. Pollution regulation, water restrictions, free trade agreements, not to mention fuel prices. Or in the United States, the taxes on passing down family farms. We all know what happened when food prices shot up during the pandemic, $100 worth of groceries now cost $120. The French farmers being on strike are going to raise prices more. And costs will rise that much or more if American farmers start parking their tractors outside of government buildings. Stay tuned. We'll follow this tomorrow with someone who is covering the protest. Here's Chris.
2: Hey, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Wednesday. We're live, so let's get after it. And I hope what we're going to be talking about tonight is proof of the crash and burn of the two-party game. With all we have going on that needs attention, the real threat, Taylor Swift, pitched as a plant to the righty fringe, Trump land, as part of a vast conspiracy involving her love life, the Kansas City Chiefs, and their wins being rigged including in the upcoming Super Bowl. If you bet on the game, you know which way to go. Why? All for Biden. More on this later. But the question is...
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand